Hello and welcome to The Pulse. Later in the show, the rising cost of keeping a roof over your head and what looks pretty much like the end of Central's historic Graham Street Market. But before that, political reforms or maybe not, at the National People's Congress meeting in Beijing, the message was blunt. Last August, NPC Standing Committee Edict on Constitutional Reform is set in stone. Committee member Rita Fan says those who think the decision can be overturned are living in their own world. Rather bizarrely, a much-quoted authoritative source in Beijing used the current chief executive as a threat to scare the Democrats. Block reforms, said this source, and you'll get him for another term, along with new attempts to introduce draconian anti-subversion legislation. The government has hoped for turncoats among the pan-Democrats. That hope appeared to be dashed on Monday when all 27 pro-Democrat legislators signed a pledge to vote down any proposal based on the MPCSC framework. Li Fei, Deputy Secretary General of the MPCSC, has cancelled a meeting with pan-Democrats planned for early next month. Well, with us in the studio is legislator Alan Leong, the convener of the weekly pan-Democrats lunch meeting. Can I ask you whether, in fact... Um, the situation has now developed where the central government and the local government here in Hong Kong actually really don't mind whether the, the proposals are, are passed. In fact, maybe prefer you, the Democrats, to block them so they can develop a narrative saying, who would have thought the Democrats would have blocked democracy? Well, I agree with you 100%. I think things are becoming clearer and clearer now to more and more Hong Kong people, that Beijing probably is regretting what the NPC Standing Committee said in 2007 by promising us universal suffrage for the chief executive in 2017. But they still have to hand in a piece of homework. And this is the piece of homework that they can uh, come up with, hoping that uh, by a smearing campaign, Beijing can blame it on the pan-democrats in vetoing what ought to uh, be vetoed, you see. So they probably hope and wish that the pan-democrats would suffer landslide defeats in the 2015 district council elections and 2016 legislative council elections so that uh, they can dominate uh, both levels of uh, councils and can let anything go. But how smart are the Democrats being? I mean, the main proposal on the table seems to be to have another de facto referendum. That's kind of been tried before, hasn't it? Oh, you, you mean Albert Hall's yes. uh, idea? Uh, we have yet to uh, decide on uh, how to go ahead with this idea from uh, Alberts. Do you think it's a good one? The most difficult part about this idea is that uh, the uh, government is in the driving seat. It can decide on when and how to conduct the by-election. It could probably maneuver it so that it would uh, not have any useful purpose uh, the pan-democratic camp has been holding meetings with other stakeholders 
uh, like the student bodies and civil society um, activists, uh, we have yet to come to a final view. I think the criticism of the pan-democrats, even from people who support them, is that they keep being outmaneuvered by the government tactically. If Beijing is determined not to give us universal suffrage, who are we to uh, get universal suffrage? This is a David and Goliath situation, no doubt about that. But uh, David, in our case, has a sling and stone to hand, which is the critical minority, one-third vote, that we would be able to cast in opposition to any proposal that is not delivering to Hong Kong a real choice. Well, that, that much is clear, but in the court of public opinion, how are you going to avoid the Democrats being painted as the people who are against democracy? Well, this is the challenge that we have to stand up to. In the run-up to the voting and also uh, before the two general elections that I just talked about, we must counter the government's uh, propaganda initiative to blame it on us. Uh, I have confidence in Hong Kong people that if we are reminded uh, where we have come from and why we are so uh, insistent on the protections that once had been promised us by the basic law, uh, I hope that we could uh, counter this government initiative. Well, Alan Hung, thank you very much indeed. Let's see if that happens. Graham Street is the site of one of Hong Kong's first cinemas in 1907 and for even longer, home of the Graham Street wet market. That market may have survived the Japanese occupation but doesn't look like it's going to survive the Urban Renewal Authority. It's the oldest wet market in Hong Kong and provides a rare chance for the residents of central and mid-levels to buy fresh food from any source not owned by tycoons and chain stores, but not for much longer. Opened in 1841, the wet market in Graham Street has been here for over 170 years. It's a landmark on the itinerary of many tourists and was even a highlight of Queen Elizabeth's visit in 1975. But for Hong Kong locals, it's much more. In the 1950s, the market provided job opportunities and hope for many people who fled the mainland to escape communist rule. Many vendors come from families who've done business here for two generations or more. The introduction of the Central to Mid-Levels Escalator may have boosted business by bringing more footfall, but by boosting property values in the area, it may also have heralded the beginning of the end. In 2007, the Urban Renewal Authority, or URA, began a redevelopment project covering Graham Street, Peel Street and other nearby streets. The old shops, like this Shanghai grocery store, located in these pre-world buildings, or Tonglao, will have to go. <音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音> 
附近問過我問過鄰街嗰度，<笑>我就唔知佢係幾。我見到佢搬咗咁耐，咁我打電話問啦，佢要廿六萬租。<笑> Mrs. Yun has run this business with her husband for nearly 30 years. She says that to really serve the neighborhood, a market should have a range of products, and she doesn't know why the URA is not willing to accommodate shops selling dry goods and cooked food in the new indoor market. The Central and Western Group, which has been following this issue for years, also doesn't understand the authorities' thinking. It's a very strange arrangement, uh, you know, offered by the URA. Um, they said that only the um, shops selling the wet products are entitled to go to the market. Under the URA's current plan, these vegetable and fruit stalls should be able to keep their businesses going. Only four of the pre-war buildings will remain, but only some features will be retained. Other parts will be demolished. The majority of the Tonglao, around 30, will be entirely demolished to give way to four high-rise towers, two upmarket residential buildings, a hotel and an office block. The two-story building, currently under construction, will be the new indoor retail block, but it can only accommodate around 12 shops. There are 80 ground floor shops in the market. Only 11 fresh food operators selling fruit and vegetable, fish or meat are eligible to move into the new building under the URA's local fresh food shop arrangement. The authority says it cannot preserve every shop or building because this is a redevelopment project rather than a project to preserve heritage. First of all, I would like to correct the impression that you have the impression that this is a heritage program and this is not. People see shops change. If, if we didn't came, um, came in, if we did not start this program of allowing this 30-odd um, shop to stay and operate, they, I would guess they would have already been driven out by the FNB outlet in Seoul and North. The government may have asked the owners of this fishbowl noodle shop to promote Hong Kong's image, but now it's telling them to give way to more profitable high-rise towers. The landlords get richer, the poor get displaced. <laughs> This is not a purpose-built, artificial, um, sort of um, previous Urban Council, FEHT type of market that you put everybody into. The shops and the open market creates a bigger um, hundred years old market. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Well, it's not just fresh food sellers who are being priced out by rising rentals. In the words of Financial Secretary John Jung, if you can't afford a home in Hong Kong, don't buy one. At current prices, that means most people in Hong Kong. Late last month, the Hong Kong Monetary Authority introduced three new measures to cool the market. But have they actually 
discourage rich speculators or just made life harder for Hong Kong's middle class. Some of the unit prices of small flats are actually more expensive than luxury flats. 一啲我哋叫世界樓樓仔嘅市場咧，個升幅係完全跑贏大市嘅。咁譬如我哋好似睇到嘉湖山莊或者沙田第一城咧，喺舊年嘅升幅咧都超過兩成嘅。Demand for these small flats show no sign of abating. Some buyers have resorted to going to finance companies and taking out second or third mortgages on their existing homes in order to buy a flat. And it gets worse because some people have been unable to meet the repayment costs and have even taken a fourth mortgage to provide more cash. Many of such multiple mortgages have been taken by people who own property in estates like Meifu Sanchun and City One Sha Tin. There are about 1,200 finance companies in Hong Kong, and they are not regulated by the Hong Kong Monetary Authority. However, the authority has recently issued instructions that would prevent banks from lending money to finance companies for property mortgage purposes. 由過去咧，差唔多係一百 percent 係做一啲銀行按揭貸款咧。其實而家咧就有部分嘅市場咧就留咗去一啲財務機構去做按揭貸款啦。咁嘅意思咧就係話，因為咧財務機構咧其實佢哋就唔係受銀行去監管啦。咁以前同我哋咧合作嘅咧講緊有大概二十二間嘅財務機構。咁其實佢哋都可以透過一啲低息嘅按揭，講緊係大概個按揭利率咧都係低過五厘啦。咁就咧向業主咧提出一啲即係提供一啲嘅按揭貸。貸款咁變相咧就係話填補咗一啲銀行唔能夠去做到嘅按揭計劃啦。價值七百萬或者以下嘅自用住宅物業嘅最高嘅按揭成數，由現時嘅六成至七成，一律降低到去六成。Since 2013, the Hong Kong Monetary Authority has introduced seven mortgage tightening measures to cool the soaring property market. It argued that the rising household debt-to-GDP ratio made such measures necessary to protect the stability of the banking system. The measures include the lowering of the loan-to-value ratio for property buyers. SA agents have argued that there was no need for more government intervention in the markets, as tighter mortgage requirements would harm rather than help first-time home buyers. Michelle Wong has been hit by these measures as she has been looking to buy a small flat for the last two years. Thank you. Financial risk arising from the uncertain economic outlook, 
in the U.S., in Japan, in Europe, as well as in China, and also in Hong Kong. I mean, Financial Secretary already said that uh, our predicted GDP growth is only about 1% to 3%, which is historical low, all right? Um, so, you know, and also I think the money supply is another problem because if there is interest rate hike in the U.S., money will outflow from Hong Kong. And once money outflow from Hong Kong, cost of money will be expensive. The uh, uh, mortgage repayment will be increased and then may become unaffordable to them. However, some hardcore and cash-rich flat buyers were still out last weekend at launch sales for small and medium-sized flats. Property agents were out in force buying these flats for resale in anticipation that prices will rise. In less than two hours, the first batch of about 100 flats were sold at a new Hong Kong development. Many of these flats were priced below $7 million, the price range which is being targeted for cooling measures by the authorities. Chang Gong, the developer, said that only 10% of the buyers took on additional mortgages to cover up to 90% of the flat's price. And developer Chang Kong has teamed up with his sister company, Mortgage Broker, to offer loans which would virtually cover the entire purchase price. These loans would top up the 60% mortgage banks are now limited to providing with an additional 40%. The most fundamental thing is to increase new supply. And this is something that the government will have to do, both in terms of public housing, public housing for sales, new land for private development. And also, I think one area we have not touched upon is that government bureaucracy needs to be streamlined in order to expedite the planning approval, construction process, and approval process. According to the government, there will be some 480,000 additional housing units coming to the market in the next 10 years. 60% are for the public housing and 40% for the private sector. This year, the government is putting 29 residential sites up for auction. This could yield about 16,000 flags compared to 6,300 flags from 20 sites in 2014. The government is also injecting $10 billion to the Urban Renewal Authority so that it can provide subsidized flags to help boost local home ownership. Officials are saying that buying flags in the present high-priced environment involves a certain amount of risk and warn that the dream of home ownership could turn bitter. According to my survey, you know, see, uh, I take the cost separation you know, see, um, with the income levels and found that um, in whatever range of the income levels, they will have the similar conclusion that the government should work in two ways. We build the housing ladders and also provide substar housing for sandwich class.
我組織嘅主張就係誒唔應該買樓，政府咧應該其實係唔應該做一啲鼓勵置業嘅政策嘅，佢真正嘅最重要角色應該係為市民提供可負擔嘅房屋，咁我哋主張就係大量增建公屋嘅，其實政府越介入呢個市場去即係推到樓市咧，其實就會更加水漲船高，其實今時今日做到今日局面咧，政府即係鼓勵嘅置業政策咧係有份導致到咁樣嘅。Well, the pulse still does have a roof over its head for now. We'll be back at the same time next week, but we'll leave you with images of President Barack Obama's much-praised speech at Selma's Edmund Pettus Bridge last weekend to mark the 50th anniversary of the bloody end of the Civil Rights March led by Martin Luther King. See you next week. Goodbye. One day when the glory comes, it will be Fifty years from Bloody Sunday, our march is not yet finished, but we're getting closer. Our job's easier because somebody already got us through that first mile. Somebody already got us over that bridge. Hands to the heavens, no man, no weapon. Formed against, yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Justice is juxtaposition in us.